0: Oh, this is Rachel McElroy.
1: This is Griffin McElroy.
0: This is wonderful. I've started
1: doing a sort of a purging of the toxins before uh-huh. we start recording, because I've been listening back to the last few episodes after I've edited them, and you can just hear the toxins. Mm-hmm. All the buildup in my muscles and my mm-hmm. bones, and my humors aren't balanced, are they? Mm-hmm. I've got the black bile and my yellow humors are just not in perfect Mm -hmm. equilibrium.
0: And I've been noticing that your humors tend to go a little blue sometimes.
1: They do, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Talking about sort of, I can do, what, erotic humor? Yeah. Crass. That real sex-in-the-city humor. Sex-in-the-city humor. I can also do bathroom humor.
0: Yeah, you can. So I'm just basically
1: (laughs) listing off my CV right now. A lot of times
0: Griffin will go in the bathroom, and he'll cut... He'll close the door, and the humor that is
1: coming out of there, there yeah. is just incredible. You just hear me laughing <laughs> from, the, from the John. This is a wonderful show that we like doing, and it's a show that is about stuff that we really like. And a
0: lot of podcasts don't say that at the top, so no. you have to wonder, do they like
1: doing no, it? No, we are not held hostage by the concept or continuity of our podcast, <laughs> and that is a, a real treat, uh, and my humors are balanced, and do you have any small wonders?
0: Small wonders. That is a segment we do. We at do, the and we like doing it of every show.
1: I don't want people to think I'm sarcastic. I really do enjoy doing this <laughs> this, this here podcast.
0: Uh, why don't you go first?
1: Uh, I'm gonna say making beats. I've recently started making beats in Ableton, and I've always I've been making music for a long time now for for Adventure Zone, but it's all been more melodic in nature, and all the beats I've used have been like pre made loops. But now I've been getting into those, you know. To, to getting getting down on that getting down on that you know uh-huh and it's fun i have this board that has all these little buttons on it that you can like put, program the timeline of beats into it feels feels good it feels mm-hmm. fun and fresh and you can make something that's just like four bars that you put a lot of work into and then it's done there's my beat i like it
0: that is good
1: uh okay that was so time
0: I'm ready uh so i'm gonna say that the Macoray family uh in this house has finally started watching Schitt's Creek.
1: Yes, yes, um, yes, yes, yes.
0: We had a lot of friends that suggested it to us and they told us something that we found to be true, which is that the first season you you really have to put some time in. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's just you have to get to know the characters. There's a lot of like eccentricities in in the show. Well, and, and it's th- a
1: bit one note or it's just like yeah. we are rich in a poor town.
0: Yeah. Uh, but by the end of the first season, we were really invested and now we're in the second and I'm really grateful to have so much good show
1: in front of us. It's full steam ahead. I would liken it to Parks and Rec where the first season is just kind of like there.
0: And then suddenly you're like super charmed by everyone on the show.
1: Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, I go first this week. Okay. I'm going to talk about hot springs. I really like them. I like conceptually and aesthetically hot springs. Yeah. I like that nature makes little hot tubs for us to get in. That's pretty choice. Or yeah. sometimes it makes hot tubs that you absolutely should not get in because they'll burn all of your skin off and you'll, you'll die. <laughs> because apparently <laughs> hot springs can get uh, quite hot. Uh, I Did th- you
0: have hot spring exposure before our big trip to Japan? No, I didn't. Uh, there yeah, are obviously neither.
1: lots of places throughout the U.S. that have hot springs. I think West Virginia does have some, mm-hmm. um, but they
0: Arkansas does
1: for sure. Arkansas. I mean, yeah. I mean, they have a town called called hot springs yes yeah, yes uh, georgia also has a town called warm springs i'll get into the the delineation <laughs> there i was very interested in it uh, but hot springs they're all over the us but they're also all over the world and they occupy like different sort of cultural places for for those countries Uh, like Rachel said, we went to Japan for our honeymoon. We've talked about it a ton and we stayed in Hakone, which is this like hot spring resort town. And we were fortunate enough to stay in like a pretty nice hot spring resort where you could just go and just dip in. Uh, they were indoor springs, but you had like a nice little like outdoor view from it. And it was really surreal. It was really surreal. And like, Like,
0: oh, in the basement, there's just water. Yeah.
1: And they're, they're like, when people talk about the sort of rejuvenative effects of it, like that's not a bunch of. BS, like it felt. Yeah. If I felt very, very fresh getting out of that because of the I don't know the minerals, the Did chemistry. You know that I, like
0: I, I told you right that I like kind of passed out because I stayed in too long. No, <laughs> you didn't tell me that when when it was uh it was separated by gender and I went in and sat by myself and I really had no concept of time. And I sat in there until I basically couldn't stand it anymore and then got out to like shower off. And when I was in the like changing room, I just like had to sit down for a long time because I, oh. I really overdid
1: it. Wow. Well, yeah. I'm glad you're okay. I, know. I was I had one road dog in there with me. Uh, <laughs> we did not speak, but we gave each other a nice nod. Uh, and that was it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it feels it feels super, super nice. It's not just a hot tub. Like the water feels excellent because yeah. it's coming from a, you know, a special place. Uh, We also went to Yune which is a uh, hot spring water park, which is not, I would say, a traditional hot spring experience, but they do have a water slide, and that's pretty excellent. There's a few different things that can cause hot springs, and in researching hot springs, I finally kind of understood why people get into geology. And want to pursue that as a scientific discipline and career (laughs) because it's really very interesting. Uh, The mantle of the earth contains a lot of naturally radioactive elements that as they decay, they give off a lot of heat. So that's why the deeper you go into the earth, the hotter it gets. Uh, it's not just because the center of the earth is a big hot ball, which is what I always assumed. No, no, no. The mantle is also giving off a significant amount of heat. And when water comes up through there and it touches up against that hot rock, it keeps on coming up, and that is, that's hot water. And that's what makes a hot spring. Also, in volcanic areas, that, that water can brush up against magma. Which is basically just rock that got so hot that it was like oh. fuck it. I'm now I'm goo, uh, and then that water is is typically far too hot for you to get inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, uh, water can be boiling in volcanic areas, and so if you try to get into it, uh, obviously that would be uh, that would be a big rip. That's also how you get geysers and uh, fumaroles, which are geysers that are just steam when it comes up. Uh, And Yellowstone is obviously a a big one for this. Yellowstone also has the biggest hot spring in the United States and the third biggest hot spring in the world. Uh, And it's one of my very favorite geographic features like ever. I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but it has what's called the Grand Prismatic Spring. Isn't that a dope name? Isn't that That so choice? Yeah. Uh, It is 370 feet wide, 160 feet deep, and it uh, gushes out 560 gallons of 160 degree water every minute. Whoa. Um, It is a big blue pool. You've probably seen it before. It is like a very, very famous sort of like Mm -hmm. national park thing, but it has, it radiates out this ring of like microbial like Rainbow material that's like yellow and green and orange and red as it like emanates out. So it looks like a, a cross section of like a crystal geode. It looks so cool and it's so big. Uh, and it's this perfect, like deep, 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 deep blue color uh, because of the depth of the pool. Uh, it looks so, so cool. I don't know and that
0: it's, I have seen this. It's
1: illegal to get into it because it's also, I mean, it's 160 degrees Fahrenheit. That's not pleasant. Yeah, that's not going to feel hot. That's too hot to get in, folks. Uh, so there's a third type of like hot spring cause, and that is when this hot water is coming up from the surface from uh, the 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 radioactive decay of these these things in the mantle. And then it mixes with cold water under the surface, and then it creates warm springs. And uh, the town of Warm Springs, Georgia, has so many of these that they just went ahead and named the damn town that. Uh, and that is where FDR uh, convalesced when he, uh, oh. you, you know, was when he was convalescing with with polio and seeking treatment there. When he was governor of New York before he was even president, he built a house there because he liked it so much. Lots of people would come there. Uh, from Atlanta, just like to get away, but also like it was a rejuvenative town where people would just come and uh, uh, you know soothe their ailments uh, in in these these warm springs. So he built a house there. FDR built a house there that was where he died uh, when he was president in his fourth term, uh, and he would just go there and chill out in the warm springs. And somebody was doing a painting of him, and he had a stroke, and uh, that was it. But they have what's called the Little White House. There, which I think oh. is a, a fun name.
0: So, what, what, uh, what's the temp of a warm spring? Do you know?
1: I mean, I assume not 160 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, uh, I assume it is pleasant, like a, a nice warm bath. I did not look up the specific temperature <laughs> of the warm springs. Um, I just like—I really like the aesthetic. Like, I really like the idea of just out in nature, just a rocky pool of hot water. That you could potentially bathe in, just like giving off steam and maybe there's some buckets and towels. Just the look of that, the idea of that is like pretty cool to me. It's pretty yeah. choice.
0: No, that's very serene.
1: I wish we had, I don't think we have a lot of them and we certainly don't have them here in Austin. I don't yeah, know that we have I mean, a ton
0: not, of them in Texas. a lot of water out west. And that's really. a good
1: point. Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah.
0: What's your first thing? So, this is a musical artist that I have thought about bringing uh, basically ever since we started the show. And I was hesitant because it is difficult to find a
1: lot of the music. It's Uncle Cracker. (laughs) And it's like, it's maybe a surprise that Rachel's such a big fan, but you're just wild about Uncle Cracker.
0: Actually, my uncle. Nobody knows that. Nobody knows that about Rachel. Piece of trivia.
1: It's not just a real,
0: it's not just a fun name. (laughs) Uh, no, the artist uh, I want to talk about is Ron Fontenberry uh, of Incredible Moses Leroy.
1: Oh, I thought his name was just Moses Leroy. No. Well, isn't there egg on my face?
0: Yeah, that was his grandpa. <laughs> ah, shoot. Um, this, this Incredible Moses Leroy is a band that I found when I was like sophomore year of college, thanks to my friends at the time uh and very much like rooted in that time period like the albums for incredible Mosley roy range from uh 1998 to 2003 so very kind of limited window basically right around when i was entering college uh and it's difficult to find that music now um Ron Fontenberry went on to do other bands uh, beyond Incredible Moses Roy, in- including a band called The Soft Lights. Uh, which I'm not f- as familiar with, um, but now he is the owner of like a like a music production studio. So he does like sound mixing and recording for like commercials and companies and stuff.
1: The song you had me listen to, which I just kind of knew about through Osmosis, I knew the Soft Lights version of it, but not the Incredible oh. Moses wrote. but that's why it sounded so familiar. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so this is music that you'll find on a lot of like, you know, television and movies of the time period. Yeah. Uh, this was on Scrubs. Oh, for sure. Um, There was also a movie that came out more recently, a movie called This Film Is Not Yet Rated, uh, that has the song Fuzzy, which is also the song that was on Scrubs.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, Scrubs isn't a little time capsule, I feel like, for yeah, music. Yeah, sure. There's so much music on that show. I think there's like a special polyphonic spree episode where mm-hmm. like they all got sick and had to... Had to go in.
0: Well, that's all Zach Braff, right? Like that was his whole thing. Like I that's mean the same thing with Garden State. Yeah, like, I think you attribute on- that
1: to 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 Zach Braff. All of his movies are like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, notable for their soundtracks.
0: Uh, so Moses Leroy, the inspiration for the name of the band, was Fontenberry's great grandfather, uh, and he was a Texas Union leader and civil rights advocate at the turn of the 20th century, uh, and he fought against segregation and the poll tax in Houston. Uh, So that, in combination with uh, Ron's personal interest in comic book and, like, superheroes, put together kind of the incredible Moses Leroy. That's a great name. Um, He got started kind of late making music. Uh, He didn't really get into music until he was in college. He just taught himself guitar when he was at UC San Diego. And then, you know, joined a bunch of, like, grunge influence like, bands around college for a long time, uh, and then self-produced his own uh, 18-track debut, 1998, uh, Bedroom Love Songs was the name of the album, Uh, and just kind of used that to shop around to kind of get an album produced. So I want to play a song from the album Electric Pocket Radio, which came out in 2001, which is the one that kind of got me interested. In this band, uh, the song is
1: nineteen eighty-three. We laid nineteen eighty three. To be confused, it's sort of a spiritual sequel to nineteen seventy nine by Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> Is that the year? I can never remember the year. That's in that yeah, nineteen
0: seventy nine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there have been a lot of comparisons when I was reading about Incredible Moses Leroy. A lot of people made comparisons to Beck, just because it was this indie rock artist that was kind of combining genres, you know, and and using a lot of electronic elements um also kind of experimental um ron fontenberry has said that he was influenced by like pavement and the beta band and the strokes but then also like you know michael jackson and uh and just like different 80s artists you know he he is of an age he's born in 1972 so like the music of the 80s was very influential to him uh so when he put together electric pocket radio uh, he worked with a producer from The Flaming Lips. He worked with a Jesus. drummer from Beck and Elliott Smith. He worked with a engineer mixer from The Eels. Good Lord. Uh, what a
1: fu- what a fucking like stew that this is. It's like yeah. every artist from that era.
0: And I read a, an interview with him and everybody was like, oh, wow, that's like a pretty impressive lineup. And he's like, you know, I did. Honestly, I did a lot of the work myself. But I would just kind of share my music with them and say, "Hey, do you want to help me out?" And he was just lucky to find a lot of a lot of interested parties at the time. Um, God, i had not thought about
1: the eels in so long. I, I was know. obsessed with them.
0: I know, I know. That time period is really like, you know, it was kind of a transition out of grunge into something like a little poppier
1: well more like sin- sincere
0: yeah yeah but a lot more like electronic yeah. too uh and so it's it's really fun i would really recommend it's you know it's an album um electric pocket radio that's kind of hard to find there's a lot of really good jams on there that are all over the spectrum i mean he has a song called anthem that really sounds just like a like a like a power ballad kind of song and then there's like fuzzy which is the you know very like kind of motown influence there's a lot of really cool songs on there uh so yeah so in 2003 the last album was called become the soft lights
1: (laughs) (laughs) evolved like a pokemon yeah
0: um, What a called
1: shot. That's I wild.
0: I know. My my guess is that that transition had been happening for a while. And it's, they were like, well, this is going to be the last one we put out. Let's just get people
1: introduced to our new project. It's like if the last Beatles album was called Here Come Wings. Here go the Here go Wings um
0: yeah you can find you can find some of this music you can still buy like a like a cd on amazon or you know wherever you're interested in, in getting this music but i would i would recommend you check it out because i i feel like i don't know for me this was like the album that like i had in my car when we would go on drives and stuff and yeah. so like listening to it is very i mean you know kind of in the same way that like smashing pumpkins like kind of transportative for me
1: yeah Hey, can I steal you uh, away? Yes. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, There's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis website design With, I changed the word, they say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this This menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering, looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food.
0: So, head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off.
1: Uh, we have a couple of Grambo Brams here, and I want to read the first one, if that's okay. Yes. Because the first one's for Elizabeth, and it is from Harry who says, thanks for two fantastic years together, Elizabeth, and here's to many more. I love you and our beans, and then in parentheses, doggos, very much. Happy late anniversary. Love, Harry. Now, do you, and this might be a silly question, but they don't have pet beans, do they? Do people
0: people, love using beans as just kind of like a a
1: catch all pet sort of phrase? Yeah.
0: Like a a sentimental way to refer to
1: to a loved one. I mean, I hear it in terms of uh, toes. Of uh-huh. animals, but never just the animals themselves, which has brought me to the conclusion that these two have just pet beans. Mm-hmm. Cooked or uncooked, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out yet. Probably uncooked. Mm-hmm. It seems like they would keep longer. <laughs>
0: I'm
1: going to keep workshopping this. Okay. I'll, I'll let you know what I come up with.
0: Drawing little tiny faces on them.
1: That's fun. See, that's good that's stuff fun. right there. You could get one of those people that like draw your name on a grain of rice yes. at the boardwalk. Yes. so good. So good. What is Let uh, uh, me tell the you yeah.
0: the next one. This is for Future R. It is from Past R. Hi, Future R. It's Past R. I know it's hard being alone in quarantine, but hey, maybe you're home by now. Just know that even with the brain sads, you are worth more than your anxiety would let you believe. Get out your skates, try new hobbies, and let yourself be bad at them. For now, you've got those good, good McElroy's and the Mam Dam Fam to make you smile. I love you.
1: I think Get Out Your Skates could be a powerful call to action for everyone to help get through quarantine.
0: It's true. I don't know if anyone's holding on to their rollerblades, but now would be a good time.
1: I think if someone stands on the mountaintop like uh, like Moses and shouts, Get Out Your Skates, <laughs> I think everybody would just find skates. Like we don't have skates at the house, but if somebody, if that became the new marching orders, no, it's true. We would we would find a dusty pair, two pairs of dusty skates, like Jumanji in the Creek.
0: (laughs) I love the way you say Jumanji.
1: I said Jumanji. (laughs) Macho man to the top rope, the flying elbow, the cover. We've got a new champion.
0: We're here with Macho Man Randy Savage after his big win to become the new world
1: champion. What are you going to do now, Match?
0: I'm going to go listen to the newest episode of the Tights and Fights podcast, oh yeah.
1: Tell us more about this podcast.
0: It's the podcast of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey, woke discussions, man. And jokes about wrestlers' fashion choices, myself excluded, yeah. I can't wait to listen. Neither can I. You can find it Saturdays on Maximum Fun. Oh, yeah. Dig it. What is your second thing? Carving a
1: jack-o'-lantern. Carving uh, up a pump, carving up a pumpy to make a jack-o'-lantern.
0: I am glad that you like this because this will now always be your task.
1: Yeah, uh just a bit of hi- history. We were all excited. Henry was excited for Henry's excited for Halloween because he's old enough now to like kind of grasp conceptually like uh, object permanence for holidays, yeah, like oh, and it's he coming gets up. The
0: accoutrement, like he understands now that certain things go with certain holidays, and right. so he's able to be like, oh, this is the pumpkin and skeleton time.
1: Fortunately, not old enough to realize like we ain't trick or treating this year, but that's fine because we're still going to dump a bunch of candy in his face. Uh, but we did. He did want a pumpkin. He did want a jack o' lantern to carve a pumpkin. So we went and got a pumpkin, and he picked it out. And he was so excited. And then one afternoon when we. Came afternoon like we didn't have anything to do so i was like let's carve the pumpkin and he was like hell yes let's do it let's he very, go very
0: he very much wanted to see what was inside
1: he really wanted to see what was inside the pumpkin he kept telling me that so i did the pumpkin thing where you cut the top off and i pulled it out and i was like okay so the first thing we do is we scoop out all the insides and he was like oh actually no yeah because it's that's gross and slimy yeah. and i don't want that and we've raised a, a almost four-year-old boy now who just like doesn't like messes doesn't like yeah. getting messy at all. and He so just got he was, comfortable
0: with dirt because
1: dirt is, is soft and dry. Right. But slimy. slimy's not. And, and there's part of me that's like, great, because I don't want slime to <laughs> yeah. enter our house in the way that it has entered the house of like every other child. True. Uh, so we are fortunate in that regard. But I was like, yeah, you just get in there and you grab the gooshy seeds. It feels so good. And he was, he was not. He was not no. having it. So I went on sort of a solo carving mish. Uh, and that's fine with me because, boy, oh, boy, do I like carving a, a, up a pumpkin. It is, like, the only time of year where I, like, allow myself to get real sticky and yucky, make a big sticky mess. I have no other occasion to really do that purposefully, do I? Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, and there is something so, like so weird about that because I don't like getting nasty and there's a lot of nasty stuff inside a pumpkin and I like how nasty it is (laughs) I like reaching in Uh, we got a fairly small pumpkin this year so I couldn't really get in there with my instruments so I had to do sort of a scraping with my own fingernails the inside of the pumpkin and man oh man It's like, it's so visceral. You get the texture of the goo and the seeds.
0: I feel like the seeds are critical, right? Like if it was just goo, I don't know if it would be as satisfying. But the seeds give you like very clear objective. Like, well, I got to get these seeds out.
1: Yeah, when you cut off the top and you pull it out and it's got the goo and the seeds just like hanging Mm -hmm. down. Oh, man, that's good stuff. Mm -hmm. And the stabbing of the pumpkin when, when You get to stab a pumpkin, I guess, in the summertime when you carve up a watermelon. But yeah. that's that's just a one and done. Like the, the, the pumpkin stabbing is so purposeful and, uh, and violent in a way that's like, I would never be interested in doing that to any other vegetable or fruit. Uh, <laughs> but here I am doing it to a pumpkin. Uh, it's just like a, it, it is texturally, it has a good hand feel to it um it
0: also feels like you're really connecting with history when you do it yes you know there's something about carving a pumpkin that makes you feel like people have been doing this for like a very very a long very time.
1: very very long time uh i didn't really realize the the like etymology of jack-o'-lantern uh it's another name for will-o'-the-wisp do you know what will-o'-the-wisp is it's like a it's like a phenomenon folklore thing of just like lights uh in the woods over a peaty, a peaty stump. Uh, it's, uh, so Jack-o'-lantern was like one, one name for that. Uh, it's also tied to uh, Stingy Jack, which is another sort of tale about uh, a guy who got tricked by the devil. Uh, and so he couldn't go to heaven or hell. So he just walks the earth with a hollowed out turnip lantern. So, this
0: is all new to me.
1: Yeah, it's I would think so I knew that it had something to do with with Salon, right? The uh the the like harvest festival yeah, that yeah. is uh but it was brought here the the uh like jack o lantern was brought here by Irish immigrants and like carving vegetables is a thing that people have been doing for you know, a very for literal millennia. Uh, But folks in Ireland in the 19th century started carving super scary faces onto turnips for lanterns on, on Halloween or Samhain. Uh, And I I would encourage everybody to look up like traditional turnip lanterns because they're scary as fuck. They put (laughs) our pumpkins. The pumpkin is so round and pleasant. Uh, The carved turnips that they were submitting for this holiday were some real, are You Afraid of the Dark Quality? Whoa. Yeah, bud.
0: Oh, yeah. No, this is very scary. It's not even
1: real. They're, they're not hyper-realistic. They're just like Tim Burton-level upsetting like masks of uh, oh, this of death. one has teeth. Yeah, it's really, really, uh, it's really out there, and they serve two purposes. The first was to ward off evil spirits, I guess, just by being spooky and lit from within by a candle. And the other purpose was to just look very scary for the for the holiday. Uh, yeah. Uh, f- play along at home. F- look up some old <laughs> old Irish turnip lanterns because they are really really out there. Um, so Irish immigrants brought this to the U.S., but obviously it popped off, went very very viral with the legend of Sleepy Hollow, which was published in 1820 yes. and had the headless horseman with the jack o' lantern head, and sort of it it was uh, a more common tradition here here in the states ever since. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I just really like it when you carve the. I, we just do straight triangle. This time, right? We weren't getting fancy. You can get fancy. I like that. But when you carve the triangle into it and then you put your hand inside the pumpkin and just like. Pop oh, it out. and that oh, little
0: piece comes out.
1: That's feels really good. feels so good. We did our pumpkin so early this year that I'm almost certain we're probably going to have to do a second one because it's going yeah. to decay. Uh, and Boy, that looks even spookier, doesn't it?
0: That That is the tricky part is that a lot of times you try and time the carving with the weather because a lot of times, like right now, it is very, very hot and you cannot put a pumpkin outside in this weather. No. But I found in Texas, you really... No matter what, you've got two days. <laughs> you have about two days before it becomes
1: just. We've uh, been keeping
0: our in- indoors, which is like been helping its longevity. But as soon as we put that thing outside, it's over.
1: Rachel and I live in a part of town that has some some wilderness nearby. Yes. So we are. Uh, I have become weirdly oh, like comfortable around seeing bugs in the house because it's just a fact of fact of life. Like I saw a huge ass centipede in our bathroom yesterday, and I was just like, oh. I'll get him. I'll get him outside. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, it's seeing like fire ants swarming all over a well, and We pumpkin would definitely is. get
0: deer. We would have like a little, oh, yeah. a little deer on our front porch. There's
1: deer outside the biggest deer ever ran through our yard yesterday and I had my window open and it scared me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not scared of deer. I love deer. I've talked about deer on this show. It's great. We get to see deer all the time. But this was an absolute fucking unit. <laughs> anyway, carving pumpkins is good. What's your uh, What's your second thing? I, this will
0: be interesting to talk about with you because, uh, this is something that I didn't realize was identified as regional okay. uh, until recently. And then my research indicated that maybe it isn't regional, but it is the expression, op- oh.
1: I mean, it's a very Midwestern... Yes. That's like the, the meme, is it's like the Midwestern catch-all for, uh-huh. like, any any occasion. Uh, are we spelling that O-P-E yes. exclamation point? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is this something that you've ever found yourself saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and not like... <laughs> it is not... For me, it was never the catch-all, like phrase that it is for for some in the in the northern midwest but uh you know if i ran into anybody or was about to run into Uh anybody exactly you get you give them a oh oh
0: yeah this happens to me a lot if i am in public you know like if i am in a grocery store or somewhere where there is the possibility that i will turn a corner and someone will be there yes it will come out of my mouth just instinctively
1: Yes, uh,
0: that's that's what's made it actually really hard to trace. Like I was doing research on kind of the etymology of "ope," and it's difficult to find because it's it's like it's an unconscious reaction from a lot of people just because you've absorbed it.
1: I'm trying know. to think of if it's and maybe you have found this in your research. Is it short for something?
0: Yeah, so there so there are people that kind of suggest that maybe it is it is a way of saying "oops."
1: Okay uh but kind of shortened like yep (laughs) instead of yes i'm thinking about oops now i've never said oops in my life yeah i've never like i've never it's it would would, i'm gonna start incorporating that into my lexicon just to see like how it treats you but like if i like spill a glass of water and i go oops (laughs) it feels so dennis the menace like Uh oops yeah
0: oh oopsie Well, that's what. So I found this great article there. You know, when I was researching OPE, everything was like from a regional newspaper in the Midwest. Okay. Uh, this is from Chicago Magazine. Uh, they were talking about OPE and they were suggesting that oops does sound kind of childish. And Ope is the cool older
1: brother of oops.
0: Well, Ope is a way of like, you're not quite saying you are making a mistake because it's a very like minor inconsequential social breach usually. And so Ope is a way of being like, you know, I didn't really make a mistake here. This isn't really a mistake situation, but this is an an
1: accident. I acknowledge something not ideal has happened
0: well and in this article uh that's called the all-purpose expression of midwestern politeness uh they they reference uh the linguist ben zimmer who is the language columnist for wall street journal and the former columnist for the boston globe and the new york times magazine and he he is the one that makes the connection to oops which he says comes from whoops which comes from daisy."
1: i say upsadaisy more than i say oops
0: <laughs> Uh, and, and he was the one who was cited a lot. Do you remember when Rick Perry said, oops,
1: Mm, what you'll have to remind me what what of the many fuck ups Rick Perry has done that merited an oops.
0: He was talking about the agencies of government that he was going to do away with. Oh right, and he was trying to name them. Yeah, and he forgot whatever the third one was and said sorry, oops at the end.
1: <laughs> That's so. What a space alien that dude is. And Who at, that, at that? that
0: time during that debate, it was just like, uh, oh, this guy's not ready. Yeah. <laughs> um. And uh, but I, I kind of agree. I don't like I don't like oops as much as ope.
1: No, yeah, it's if it, you feel like a real goober. I've never really sort of like identified why I don't say oops, but it's it is it is quite childish.
0: I think the reason it's associated with the Midwest. So a lot of people say it. Like there are, there are people all over the country and all over the globe that will say ope. Uh, but Midwestern people tend to get focused on for just their unnecessary politeness, right? Uh, and this article cited a bit from John Mulaney's standup special, Kid Gorgeous, where, uh, he says, my wife said that walking around with me is like walking around with someone who's running for the mayor of nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is a very perfect way to describe that kind of unnecessary politeness of like, you know, there are no stakes here. You know, you're not trying to form a relationship with this person. Uh, but you want to acknowledge that you have good intentions. Uh, and I feel like, oh, is kind of a it's kind of a charming thing. And 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 I have I have zero control over it.
1: It feels that feels thoroughly baked into me. Like West Virginia is not necessarily Midwest, but there are some that Venn diagram. I feel like overlaps yeah. quite a bit uh, yeah. in, in Appalachia. And it's always so jarring when I am sort of like. Uh, behaving with that standardized level of over politeness and like over uh, apologetic sort of thing i remember i was at a at the grocery store the turning the corner at the grocery store is like where this phrase yes. where the rubber really meets <laughs> the road and i was coming out of an aisle while uh a, a woman probably in her like 60s uh was coming the you know the the other direction and we almost collided but we didn't and i probably let out an oh excuse, excuse yeah, me sorry yeah. and she said i hope you don't drive like that and i wanted to be like <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute but that's, that's not right no. we don't do it like that
0: <laughs> yeah the grocery store is kind of like the quintessential place because it's it's like the only time where you are like essentially competing with other people to get resources <laughs> yeah
1: doesn't happen anymore now the the handful of times i've gone to the grocery store it's a, no two human beings have even come close and to <laughs>
0: Uh, other examples Chicago Magazine gives is accidentally pulling on a push door, realizing a car is coming when you're about to cross the street. Nope.
1: <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> reflexively oped. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> the, the article suggests that it, where the Italians have prego as their kind of linguistically fluid go-to word, mm. but that is what op can become. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I you know not a lot not a lot of science out there about ope. Uh, not a lot of uh, history associated with it. I, d- I don't know that there is a first usage available. Maybe it's,
1: maybe it's short for Oprah. And it's like when you are <laughs> when you are endangered in some way, you are calling out for aid. <laughs> like you're coming out of the grocery store aisle and you see your cart's about to run into somebody else's cart and you get like that fight or flight response and your heart starts to like palpitate and you just want to be like, Oprah, help! <sighs> and you just get out, Oprah.
0: I wish I had enough control over it to change that for you
1: yeah I can t- I can I can work on it, but okay. it's probably not gonna happen again I if I've bumped into anybody these days, I've made a critical error at some at some junction
0: yeah I wonder if it's if people have stopped saying open have started saying just full
1: out sorry because you know of the concern or just get the fuck away from me six feet six feet <laughs> uh, can I tell you what our friends at home are talking yes. Uh, Fiona says, I think Sola's new show, Stump Sola, on the Babish Culinary Universe channel is wonderful. I first saw her when I was watching Bon Appetit videos, but I am so happy she now hosts her own show. She only has two episodes out right now, but so far I've enjoyed seeing and laughing along with her approaches to random cooking challenges. It's been a source of entertainment and helpful cooking advice, and I can't wait for more episodes. It
0: is. She is so charming because so many people in the world of cooking are a little bit cocky. And I'm not saying that she's not. She's super confident. She's definitely confident. confident. Yeah. But she's so she makes it so accessible, you know. You just feel like I hey, I am just trying things like everybody else is, and we'll see if this works. She is confident and self-deprecating in equal yeah. cool
1: measures, which is a very tough uh, balance. That show is really really fun. Her second episode was using things bought at the bodega to create like high cuisine. Yeah, and it is it's cool. It's a cool. It's a great show. <laughs> um, and Darius says this is going to sound like a weird one, but I really love pro wrestling tag teams that don't break up at the smallest sign of disconnect. In a sport, in quotes, uh, that's built on aggro tough men, seeing guys like the New Day, who have been a team for six years with exactly zero fights between them, has been a real treat.
0: Oh my gosh, I love the New Day.
1: I love the New Day so very, very much because each of them is so good. And like, they're just having fun. They have a lot of fun with it. The Wrestlemania I went to where they came out dressed up as Dragon Ball Z characters, like, <laughs> you really can't beat that. You really can't get any better than that. And it is weird. Like, I've never really thought about it. I do not watch, like, really any pro wrestling these days, but I did watch enough to know that, like, you know, you could not keep track of the tag teams. It'd be like, oh, Sheamus and uh, What's-His-Face yeah. are together now. And then, you know, the next pay-per-view you watch, they're up against each other. It I'd doesn't like happen to, with the I'd new I'd like day. to
0: think it was suggested to them of like, all right, now you guys hate each other. And they were like, no, I'm no, sorry. No,
1: there's no way. <laughs> uh, hey, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use for our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Uh, and thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network.
0: Yeah, maximumfun.org is where you can find all sorts of wonderful podcasts, uh, uh, like wonderful, but then <laughs> like other podcasts that are also wonderful, but not named that. That's
1: a really, really sick way.
0: <laughs> That's how Jesse Thorne pitches it.
1: Uh, hey uh, me and my brothers wrote a book about podcasting called uh, everybody has a podcast except you and it's a, a guide on how to make podcasts It's a very oh,
0: and hey like a s- special secret hidden track in there oh yeah uh, me and Sydney and Teresa are in there too
1: yeah it's a it is a pretty like technical guide on how to make a podcast from start to finish of like everything you need to know uh, and it's got it's got goofs in it too and you can pre-order it if you go to macroroypodcastbook.com uh and also i do a video game podcast i don't know if i've ever talked about it on this show with uh justin and two of our old polygon co-workers chris and russ called the besties it's on spotify for free you can follow and listen there and i would appreciate if you did that because yeah, griffin,
0: griffin still plays a lot of video games
1: i still play a great deal of video games uh, i think we talked about uh spelunky in our last episode i can't remember i play so many video games i can't keep them all straight i'm a real gamer uh but yeah you find that on spotify please um, I think that's it. What if what what if that was it? Like, what if that was the last <laughs> thing you said, and we just like walked? we just like, th- and that's it. We've never dropped a mic before, but I don't want to break these. Yeah. What if I slowly and gently lower this sort of like tripod <laughs> mic stand to the ground, and we'll see if it makes a noise? And you tell me if that if it like comes through, okay? Okay. And I'll be like, and that's and that's the bottom line.
0: No, well, and it, you know, it's an audio thing. I feel like dropping the mic is usually when you can perform it for people. Yeah. It's a powerful thing to see, not to hear, I don't think. What if I, okay,
1: so I have to be more literal. And let's just like... okay. okay. Now I, and then, and now I'm going to drop the microphone.